0: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You were going to tell you just a to Okay. I, I, I just want to begin by saying that was a wonderful worship service. I just um, enjoyed it, dear brother. To enjoy that. Thank you. Hallelujah. I don't want everything. My little helper here. Maybe she would grab a microphone and, 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 and say a few greetings. Oh, really? mm-hmm. <laughs> Shalom. Oh. Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for a book, which I must not have brought. Oh, okay. uh, can someone get me my book, uh, The Blood and the Glory? Praise the Lord. Go ahead. You may be seated. It's such an honor to be here in your beautiful, beautiful assembly. And to think that the body of Christ is one. And some of us live here and some of us live over there. But we're all seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it's such an honor to lift my voice with yours in worship. That was so fun. I said, Lord, we get to join. We get to practice here on earth of what it's going to be like in heaven when we Thank are you. the redeemed of the Lord from every tongue, every nation, every tribe, worshiping him. How many are thankful for Mom? Me too. Are she you makes thankful? me feel so young when I'm with her, you know. Mother, <laughs> what kind of you bag is this? Us? Well, that's just one I could get in the suitcase All easily. Right. right. I'm going to go take blessings in Jesus' name. Where does this I, I've got this shelf. Thank you. I I really, thank you, thank you, dear brother. But that was really, I really enjoyed that worship service. You know, it was just, I don't know if you always have it on that level, but it was very, very wonderful, and it ministered to me, bless the Lord. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I don't know how long it's been, but it's so good to be back. How many of you have ever been in a meeting where I was here Whoa, 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 look at the hands. Hey, bless the Lord. Glory be to God. Well, um, do we have anybody here that knows what WWP means? Oh, glory to God. Stand up. I have to congratulate you. My goodness. Now, some of you, the 11 o'clock one is not so bad. But the 3 a.m., I experienced that the other day, and it's a little challenging, but it's really something quite supernatural happening. Very, very supernatural. These are marvelous days. If ever we're going to have the supernatural, it has to be now, bless the Lord. And so we're thankful for it. Uh, How many of you have ever heard of a person named Chip Brim? Yes. Yes. Well, bless the Lord. Well, I'll give you a little report on our family. We're doing well, and... You know, my husband and I, we married really young, and everybody told us we shouldn't do it, but thank God we did. And uh, he, he moved off and left me. He moved to heaven after about 30 years, but we had these four children just pop, 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 and here they are all serving the Lord and helping me now. Every single one of those four and a bunch of the grandchildren. So I just came from a meetings in California that were hosted by my grandson, Brandon, And uh, amazing things happening. So I'm just thankful to the Lord. I'm probably the most blessed person in all the whole world, but you are too. Hallelujah. Um, I would like to, of course, we're at Prayer Mountain in the Ozarks. Do any of you ever watch our uh, television program? Um, I I don't know. Is that here? Uh, The voice of, uh, no, that's the radio program. Uh, Prophetic, uh, whatever the name of it is. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Prophetic witness, whatever. We have fun doing that and uh, picking on Shelly. And then we have a Bible school. We have uh, I'm telling you, I'm busier than I've ever been in my whole born days. And we have this wonderful Bible school, online Bible school now, and we have more than a 1,000 and so many, I don't know how many students. We're having our first graduation. We're, incre- we're accredited. And um, we're having our first uh, associate's degrees that we're going to be giving at our autumn assembly of prayer. And it's just amazing. And then, oh, my goodness, everything is rolling in Israel. In uh, 1999, the Lord told me something big is happening in Israel, and I want you there. So um, we found out that it was property property. Property that was for sale and was available at that time, about 95% of the property in Israel is owned either by the Catholic Church or the uh, Orthodox or the government of Israel. And if you're Jewish, you can lease it for 99 years. But there's a small amount that was available, like 5% many years ago. And you could buy it outright, and that, God caused that to come into our hands. Now that Original property has grown to three acres, and so we and it's a huge amount of land in Israel. And so we have three acres that's quite near uh, the Sea of Galilee. And for years, I'm telling you, we just we we are going to build there a prayer and study center. They call it a hotel. Well, we have to have some place for the people to stay. So that's all right if they want to call it a hotel. Israel has to call it a hotel, but it's Migdal uh, Arbel Prayer and Study Center. And I'm telling you, for years and years, we just tried this and that and this and that. And and there were, like, roadblocks, building permits, red tape, this and that. But suddenly, something happened. And um, the lawyer in the states who sees that we stay compliant with all the IRS rules, he took some courses at Harvard, and there he met this man from Israel. And uh, you're going to meet him in just a minute. His name is Nir. And he said, I have a client I think you could help. And so we didn't know that they were doing it. But um, they were vetting us. And, you know, we've gone to Israel for years. And God has placed us very close to the Jews and even close to the, to the leadership of Israel. And uh, <clears throat> and so we got contacted that they want to take us on. And they are the ones who have to do with all the infrastructure in Israel, all the roads and bridges and everything that's built, and they took us. I said, and people saying to us, how did you get them to take us? I didn't even know they were looking at us. But they really like us, and we're Zionists, and we bring them uh, Christians, a lot of Zionist Christians. And so uh, Zionist means that you believe the land belongs to Israel, and you support them in getting it back. And so um, we, I, I am so happy with the way things are going now. And uh, so I just brought this video for you to see uh, Mr. Nir Kimshi, and his and um, he's taken us on, and I just wanted to share it with you. So if you'll play that here, bless the Lord. Am I standing in the way of your seeing it?
1: Shalom, shalom. Since our, my, my last update to you, uh, we continue the progress of building uh, um, the hotel, Migdal Arbel Hotel, step-by-step step, every day um, in order to fulfill this vision. And um, we actually have a very good progress. We finalize the tender, the contractor tender, and uh, we negotiate uh, with the contractor as everything is negotiable in Israel. So we negotiate and we get a very good result. We signed a contract with all the insurance and all the current tours and everything, and we start to work. Actually, last week, we started to work in the field. The track tours went up, and uh, yesterday, I toured uh, the, the project, and I saw everything, and I want you to see as well. So, let's see. Shalom, Miss Billy. shalom, board members, shalom, shalom. partners. Uh, I'm here with Turi, our project manager. Hello to everybody. And we would like to update you about what's going on here. Uh, we we started work last week and we have three phases for this project now. Uh, Migdal Arbel project, you see the sign. Three stages. The, the first stage is cleaning the field. Putting fence around it, putting sign and taking care of the the public uh, infrastructure. This we finished, we finished the the first phase. Now we're waiting for the final approval from the engineer and the municipality to start to dig. This is the second phase. Second phase we're going in the next 18 months, we're going to uh, dig all the ground, uh, building the uh, parking area, building uh, all the shells of all the five buildings, uh, all the infrastructure, electricity, water, air, conditioner, Uh, all the systems uh, sewage and everything into the field Uh, roofing and ceiling Uh, all this work will be finished within 18 months and this is the second phase then we have the third and the final phase which is the internal work uh, which we're going to do immediately or in the end of the first of the second phase I believe that we're gonna start within uh, uh, 15 months to start with the third phase while we finish with the, with the second one. And uh, it looks great. It's summer here in Israel. We just start with the summer. Great timing f- to start this amazing project. And uh, just to let you know that the one that's taking this video is our contractor. <laughs> and he is there. Uh, so, uh, Turi, uh, how do we say here in Israel? I want to say to Ms. Billy just one thing: Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam, Shechiyanu VeKlimanu VeYiyanu L'Zmanasim. Amen. Amen. Thank you. As you see, uh, we are working in the field, and it looks great. Um, I also want to tell you that uh, we are working closely with the State of Israel, with all the authorities, the municipality. And actually last week I got a phone call from the Minister of uh, Tourism asking us what is the progress, how we continue, how he can help. And uh, of course we fill all the documents and everything is okay. Uh, But yesterday when I was there, um, I saw all the buses, tourist buses. passing through our project, uh, and I, I, it make, it, I understand why the Ministry of Tourism uh, uh, pressing us to uh, build more hotels room in Israel, and I know that this project is important for the State of Israel. So I will continue to keep you updating uh, in the future. Bye-bye. Shalom.
0: Bless the Lord. it's a miracle it is an absolute miracle um uh, near told me he said if you hadn't bought this land when you did you could not get it now there's no more available on those kinds of uh, purchases and he said even though like we've got like 4 million dollars in the project and it's it's that we've already spent and it's now valued at 12 million but he said it would go if you would sell it there would be a bidding war with hotel chains around the world wanting this prime property. And it's going to be like I take people to Israel all the time, and we travel around, but I'm going to stay there, and they're going to come by and visit me, you know. And, and then they're going to go out, and then we're going to keeping five prayers there at all time. We're in the north. The north is very, very strategic. So we're going to have people that will go and pray, And that we know that that's what they're going for. We'll keep them up. They'll pay their way to get over there, but they can stay there free, you know. And uh, they're going to take duties, tours of duty. And we're going to have prayer going there. We have a prayer tower, a Lucy McKee prayer tower, if any of you remember Lucy. And um, it's just so wonderful and so exciting. Bless the Lord. And you know what? The money's just started flowing in. So praise God. Hallelujah. Another million-dollar offering just came just not very long ago. We haven't had to go into debt at all. And we're believing God that that's going to continue and that it will be um, a, a witness to him, bless the Lord. So I just wanted to share that with you. This is my 11th visit to Australia. Why do I come here so often? That's quite often, you know, for as many miles as that is, many hours as that is. And um, it, it actually started with me when I was invited to we had some prayer meetings called secrets of intercession and some old time prayers that came out. And so suddenly uh, they uh, I was I was recognized as a prayer leader. Now, this has been many years ago and I never consider myself a great prayer. I run with great prayers and I really like running with them. But uh, some of them prayed on a level, oh, my goodness. And, but I was invited as, to this meeting near Washington, D.C. at a campgrounds, a really nice campgrounds. And so they said they had invited prayer leaders from around the world, around the U.S. And so we went there. I guess there were about, oh, I don't know, 50. And the first day they had us all in a circle, and so everybody had to. I really wanted to go because David Duplessy was going to be the main speaker. And I, uh, from South Africa, Mr. Pentecost, he's called, David Duplessis. And so um, they went around the circle and introduced themselves. And when it came to me and I said, you know, that I had been editor uh, for Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, some people started snickering. They didn't like Kenneth E. Hagen, if they only knew. They would have known a man of God like someone hardly you ever meet. And uh, so I thought, huh, they laughed at me, you know. So I thought, well, I don't know how we're going to have any good prayer together. if They don't even like me. So I decided that what I would do is I would go to listen to Dr. Duplessis. He was the first speaker every morning. And then I'd escape. And so I, would, I escaped down to the uh, cafeteria. And guess who else was escaped down there? Six other people. And guess who else was escaped down there? David Duplessy. <laughs> so every day for three days, he taught us. He sent me to Yugoslavia. And he told me I'd better get to Australia. And he was talking about when Smith Wigglesworth had come here to Australia. And then he had gone directly to South Africa. And David's father and the duplices were busy and had churches in South Africa. And David, young David at the time, he was interpreting for uh, Wigglesworth. And he was traveling with Swigglesworth and they had come back to his home church and he was early in the morning. He told us this. It was early in the morning and he was getting his books in order and answering his mail. And here comes Swigglesworth just storming in there. And I'm sitting there and he's telling us this and I have on a, a blazer and he takes me. He said, stand up and, and duplicy took me by the lapels and smashed me against the wall. And he said, "This is what Wigglesworth did to me," and so he 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 slammed me up against that wall. And he said that Wigglesworth had just come from Australia, I think, in New Zealand, and he had said, "There's going to be a great move of God just before Jesus comes. There will be a move of the Spirit." Now, Wigglesworth died in 1947, and at the end of World War II, there came a great move of the Spirit, a great move in in in. A, I know it, it, it was in America and I don't know where else, but they called it the divine. It was a healing revival. And then Wigglesworth said there's going to be a move of the word and teaching the word. So we've all been witness of that. We've all benefited from that. But he said the last great move is going to be the word and the spirit. And he said there's going to be, it's going to be, a, much of it will be born out of Australia and New Zealand which is the uttermost part of the earth to where Jesus was when he said, you're going to take this gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. You you know that Jesus' word come true because here you sit and it got to you from Jerusalem. This is the uttermost part of the earth from Jerusalem. I was considering that scripture and I thought, I, I've been able to share the word in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Now that's been a while. And I, I, I made some inquiry here. And I was told that there's street witnessing going on. And I was told some things are happening here. And uh, I know you've heard. How many of you have heard that prophecy of Wigglesworth? You have heard it. Uh, turn with me to first uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I woke up this morning with this scripture. And it is in a wonderful place. All the Bible is for the church, but not all the Bible is about the church. Uh, Some of the Bible is about other people. There are really three groups of peoples, the Jews, the nations, and the church. In the Old Testament, the Jews and the nations. Uh, I don't have my little book there, but, oh, I got a book out there to understand Bible prophecy. You're going to have to know the three groups of people and how to rightly divide the word. So in the Old Testament, there were the nations, the Gentiles, and the Jews who were called out to witness God to the nations. In the New Testament, any Jew, any Gentile who asked Jesus to come into their heart become a brand-new creation, a brand-new species that never was before. Hallelujah. And so... um, Not all the Bible is about the church, but what's about the church are the New Testament letters. And the first letter that was written to the church was was Thessalonians. And it was written because a problem had arisen. Uh, Jesus, you know, how he walked among them for 40 days, and then he was uh, out on the... uh, And I've been there, thank God, he's let me go so many places out there on the... uh, Mount of Olives and he's walked among them for 40 days and he's going up and he tells them, don't you leave Jerusalem without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're going to witness for me in the power of God to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so then they went to the upper room where they stayed for 10 days and on the day of Pentecost, you know what happened? There came that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, now Jesus, when he went up, and um, there were some heavenly beings there. They don't quite understand humans because they said, Why are you standing there looking up? Well, what else would you do? I mean, what else would you do? <laughs> they said, This same Jesus is coming back. That same Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they expected him just any time. Just any time. I mean, after all, you know, he's been appearing. Well, it got to be some time into the church's being, and people started to die. And so they wondered, my goodness, some of us have left our faith. We've left the Jewish religion. We've done this and that, and he hasn't come yet. And so God gave the first letter to the church, because of that crisis. And so we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, hallelujah. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so he tells them first about what we call the rapture or the catching away. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but boy, if I did. And even if you've let the raster go, you'd grab it back again when I uh, should, would share with you what those words actually mean in the Greek. I'm really close friends with Rick Renner. Do you know him? Who pastors in, And so, oh, what that means. And then he's talking about end time things here, end of end of days things. And this is the scripture God woke me up with this morning. He's telling them some things to do at the end and we're going to pick it up with chapter 5 verse 16. These are these are instructions, what to do. What to do while we're waiting for Jesus return. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Quench not the spirit. But this is the scripture that the Lord woke me up with this morning, despise not Prophesying's. If you don't watch it, you can say, oh my goodness, I don't even know if that's true or not. Wigglesworth gave that years ago. We haven't seen it yet. Despise means you don't pay attention to it. You, you just, you know, you, you, you don't honor it. You don't give it a, a, a meaning, a place. But I can tell you right now, that you're very much closer to it than ever you have been ever, ever, ever. But I've come to see, especially with McDollar Bell, you know, there were times when even a member of our own board said to me, well, why don't you just take the money and just sell it because it became very, very valuable property. And, uh, and, and I don't think your partners would mind. And you just put it back into the ministry. But I couldn't. Because God talked to me about timing. There's timing to things. I become more and more aware of it all the time. And if you'll turn with me, I don't know if you're going to believe this or not. Some people don't believe stuff. I'm a real good believer. And what happened... On the day of Pentecost, one day, Brother Hagin, he just would walk into my office and say something and he'd leave. But he'd go in me. He came in one day and he said, Did you ever notice that in Acts chapter 2, it doesn't say they spoke in all those languages? It says they heard them in their own tongues. He walked out. (laughs) You may not come back after I tell you this. You might, but folks, Jesus is coming soon, and he said men are going to have visions and dreams and signs and wonders, and I'm seeing signs and wonders, and one of them is every Wednesday, God talks to us. And we hear him. And if you get on the calls, you will hear him. There's a a man, Muslim. He lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he was married to a Christian woman. God told her to marry him. I tell her, they're really close friends of mine now. I said, if you'd been my daughter, you wouldn't have gone out with him, that's for sure. You wouldn't have married him, that's for sure. But uh, God told her. And for 19 years, she prayed for him. And uh, years ago, years ago, I was preaching. He wouldn't let her say Jesus in the house. She went to church, but he wouldn't go. And uh, he wouldn't let her say Israel. She couldn't say Israel. And so she wanted him to come and hear me, and I was speaking at Mack and Lenz, so she told him, a lady's going to be there and speak on the Middle East. <laughs> and so they came, and I started talking about calling it Israel and saying that it belongs to the Jews. Oh, he got furious. He was, he was mean before Jesus got him. And he said to her, if you want to ride home, you're going to have to leave with me right now. And he got up out of his seat and he stomped out. But then, years later, years later, and lots of prayer on his wife's part. He would have trouble in his business and things would go down and he'd pray to Allah and pray and pray and pray and nothing happened. He asked his wife to pray and things would change. And one day, He's in his place of business. I think it was a dealership, an automobile dealership, something like that. And he hears this voice, and the voice calls him by name. His name was not Mohammed. It was Muhammad. Muhammad, you need me. He got so scared he ran out and didn't even lock the doors. <laughs> but he came back, and it happened again the next week. Muhammad. You need me. Who are you? I'm Jesus. So he went to church with his wife, and he walked the aisle and got saved. Hallelujah. And you know what? She didn't even really believe it. You, you did, She said. he said? She said? Yes. Well, she was in one car, and he was in another car, and he came home, and they had this little dog that just... Couldn't stand him. He didn't like dogs anyway, but his daughter wanted one, so he bought her one. And that dog hated him and would run and hide if he just heard his car come up the driveway. And we call him Max just for it's easier. And so he came in, and he sat down in his chair, and the dog hopped up in his lap. And Quinn said, I believe it. (laughs) Probably demons had left him. So he starts to have visions. The Bible said people are going to have visions. And he starts to see and hear Jesus. And he hears things about uh, the Middle East and prophetic things. And someone says, You need to have your visions judged. And so he went to his pastor, and the pastor said, I don't know anything about any of this. I don't know anything about the Middle East. I don't know anything about Bible prophecy. But there's a lady down in Missouri. (laughs) Happened to be the lady he stomped out on all those years before. And so he calls to see if he could come down. He comes down and asks me if I would judge his prophecies and judge what's happening in his life. I said, well, I pray about it. I prayed. The Lord said, I want you to do it. Because I walked with a man who had open-eyed visions of Jesus, Kenneth Hagan. E. Hagin. I know how to judge them. You don't believe every spirit. You test the spirits. And so I taught him how to test the spirits. And also, I did know about end-time things. And so uh, Max I agreed to do it, and, and we became very good friends, and I started seeing things happen that the Bible says are going to happen. I'm telling you right now, this thing is supernatural. It's not natural. It's not at all natural. That worship service wasn't natural. Bless the Lord. We got lifted to another place. Hallelujah. But you could walk in that other place. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, shortly after our election in 2020, uh, I was on a prayer call, a, a small prayer call, with a, with a man in Missouri, six or eight people. And Max in Minnesota, he happened to get on it too. And he started hearing, he started hearing um, me in Arabic. And he didn't know what in the world was going on. And he prayed about it. And the Lord said, this is an assignment. And he said, you're going to hear her in Arabic. And it's what the saints pray. And so the saints at prayer. And so now, every Wednesday morning in our time in America, which is reasonable, 8 o'clock in the morning, and then noon, which is reasonable there, not reasonable here. And we, we have a, a cap, 2,000. It caps off. People call in, you know, on the prayer call, and it'll, it'll kick you off after 2,000 people. But they're always there every 8 o'clock every morning and every state in the United States. And people from Australia. Australia are on the line, some of you. And Max hears like a statement from the Lord and then a scripture. And it's astonishing because he wasn't brought up knowing scriptures. And it's just astonishing what the Lord will say to us. And so one of the things the Lord has been saying to us recently is, and giving us the scripture in Ecclesiastes. So if you'll turn to Ecclesiastes. I said all that to say this. Oh, I know this is so. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break up, a time to build, break down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Hmm. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. And it goes on down. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, a time of peace. And then down in verse 11, he's made everything beautiful in its own time. So I know with what's happening and I prophesied here for Australia, there's a time element. It has to do with the rains, the rains falling. They're spiritual. And the rains in, the, in Israel are seasonal. Early rains, latter rains. And then it's prophesied that the early and latter rains are going to come together. That's going to be what happens just before the coming of the Lord. Turn to James chapter 4. You may or may not believe me, but it's written. Hallelujah. James chapter 5. Oh, precious Jesus. James chapter 5, verse 7. This is, this is, this is, this is a circular teaching. It begins and ends with the same thought. These two verses are one complete thought, and they tell you what's going to happen before Jesus comes. Be patient, therefore, verse 7, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Earth is a big field, and there's a farmer, and the farmer's God. And earth is going to produce a great harvest Behold, the husbandman, God, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. I'm not preaching on the rains tonight. I could, and I could go back and show you that Joel prophesied about them. I could show you in the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy that Jesus said, God said, you go in there and I'm going to give you the rains in their season. Early rain and latter rain. This land's not like Egypt where you came out of, depending on the Nile River up and down. It's got seasonal rains. Then when you come to Joel, Joel says these are rains of the Spirit. And then, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and there's been the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost, he says this is what the prophet Joel talked about it. This is the rain. The Pentecost outpouring in Acts chapter 2 was the early rain, the latter rain began in Azusa Street. And reached all around the world. But before Jesus comes, there's going to be the early and the latter reign together. And that's the outpouring. And that's the move. And that's the glory that Australia is going to be a great part of. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's just about time. Uh, show that, uh, where are we in time? Uh, well, let me just say this about time. Um, well, talking about a time for things, Jesus himself, you remember there uh, when he was at Cana, he was in, uh, at the wedding. And his mother told him they'd run out of wine. And he said, woman, mine hour is not yet come. And then he said it several other times. That was John 7:30. In John 8:20, he was at the temple and it said, "No man could lay hands on him because his hour was not yet come." And then in John 17, it says that several times his hour had not yet come. But in John 17, which is his prayer, before he goes to the cross, turn to John 17. "Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. It got to be the time. A time to live, a time to die, a time to fight, a time to make peace. I can tell you right now that you are on the doorstep right now of the greatest outpouring. In it. There has never been anything like it. John 17, 1. God sent me here to declare this is going to happen. God sent me here. David Duplessis sent me here. And now I'm here. And when I prayed about where to go because I I really wanted to go to Israel during this time, I work with a group called the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast. And uh, I I just spoke at it in St. Louis. And now I'm going to speak at it on the Gold Coast. And they're coming here. Ministers, uh, leaders from Israel will be there. And and they had one in Jerusalem. I really wanted to go to that one. I prayed about where to go. And the Lord said, you go to the one in Australia, and this is the last trip you'll make to Australia. And he didn't. It wasn't like you're going to die. It was like things are happening. And I'm here to declare you. I'm here to declare it. I'm here to declare this is the hour. This is the time. I feel like to kick my shoe off. I haven't done that in a long
1: time. Uh,
0: Show that chart. Show that chart. Yep, that's it. We're going to talk about the glory, and Moses was up on Mount Sinai more than one time for 40 days and 40 nights, and while he was up there, he was given this, the the Torah and the Ten Commandments, but he was also given something called the Oral Law, and back, 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 back to the first of the Oral Law, it's very accurate. It was not to be written down. It was to be spoken. Moses spoke it to Joshua. Joshua spoke it to the next one, to the next one. When their second temple was destroyed, they decided they needed to write it down. And so this is one of the early, early, early things. The oral tradition, for instance, the Jews can't eat blood. So there is a lot of, that was given to Moses on ritual slaughter. But you better be glad it's not in that you don't, when you're reading the Bible through, you don't have to read all about the ritual slaughter. But there's a whole lot about it in the oral tradition. Now, here is something that is in the Talmud, and this is in uh, the Sanhedrin 97a. Moses was told that Adam was given a work week, a six day work week. At the end of to see what he could do with Earth, God worked six days and rests on the seventh. So Adam was to have six days of work on the Earth and then going into a millennial period. These days are each a thousand years long. We know that from Psalms, and we know that from Peter, that one day with the, th- with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So these, this work week, now, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, I am not one that believes Earth is 6,000 years old. I believe it's billions of years old, however old science needs. And if you get my book, I was going to talk, I may talk about it, I don't know, but it's in my book, The Blood and the Glory. God made the Earth perfect. Turn to Genesis 1. <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah. Jesus is so wonderful. Bless the Lord. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Only God could put all that in one verse. It includes so much. What it does not include is verse 2. Verse 2. And the earth was, or became, without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. In verse 2. And the earth was or became, in Hebrew, it's rhyming words, tohu, va, bohu. And tohu means formlessness, confusion, unreality, emptiness, chaos, and waste. Do you think God made earth an unreal, chaotic, empty wasteland? No. The Bible says in... Uh, I, in um, it says in Deuteronomy, God's work is perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4. In Psalm 111.3, it says his work is glorious. So that earth that he made was glorious and wondrous. But something happened that caused it to become a chaotic wasteland. And that something was the fall of Lucifer. Lucifer had a, a kingdom, and that kingdom was on the earth. Everything that you see from the di- dinosaur period, it was from a time called the world that then was. The world that then was. Peter talks about it, Second Peter. He speaks of the world that then was, the world that is now, and the new heavens and the new earth. Well, we might as well turn to 2 Peter, because you're looking like you don't believe me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say glory. glory. Oh, my Jesus. oh my Jesus. There is no argument between true science and the Bible. Dear Father. Hallelujah, Peter. Oh, Second Peter chapter 5. 3. In verse 2. All of 2 Peter is a prophetic book. I hope I don't get started on teaching that one. (laughs) I want to go down all these ways. (laughs) Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? See? They're growing tired. They don't want to believe it anymore. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. The world did not perish at Noah's flood. The waters receded, and the world was there. But there was a pre-Adamic flood that destroyed this kingdom. Uh, those words, tohu Bohu, do any of you have a, a reference Bible? Uh, that that has, it tells you where that's used, those words are used someplace else? Anybody have an Oxford Bible or a Cambridge Bible? No, everybody has telephones these days. Well, those words are used in uh, Jeremiah 4:23. So turn to Jeremiah 4:23. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Lord God, hallelujah. Jeremiah 4:23, Jeremiah is a prophet, and God let him see when the earth became tohu bohu. Verse 23, Jeremiah 4:23. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was, or it became, without form and void. Tohuva bohu. He got to watch it when it happened. And the heavens, and they had no light. He watched this earth become Tohuva Bohu at the fall of Lucifer, and there was no light. Light was removed. If light is removed tonight, every dinosaur is gonna die. But we don't have dinosaurs. But everything will die, horses and cows and everything. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved. There was a great shaking. I believe that that's when the, uh, for instance, the, uh, uh, the seismic rifts. I think there's one that goes through uh, New Zealand. We have them in California. That's when the, God didn't make cracks in the earth. He didn't make an earth that is deficient in any way. But it happened at this pre-Adamic time when Lucifer fell. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, nothing existed of that pre-Adamic. All, even the birds were gone. And I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down. They had cities. And they were broken down. What broke them? The presence of the Lord and his fierce anger. The presence of the Lord and his fierce anger caused that pre-Adamic civilization to be gone. And for billions of years, who knows how many, I don't know how many, ever how many true science needs darkness. Those dark waters. The waters were all over the earth. They perished. The world that then was perished until one day something started, the Holy Ghost started hovering over those dark waters. The Holy Ghost hovered over them. And God said, remember the light was gone? Let there be light. And light came. He's not just talking about sun, moon, and stars. He's talking about himself. At the fall of Lucifer, and we could go into Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 and show you that fall and show you what happened. Remember Jesus said, I beheld Satan's lightning fall from the sky. But light came back. And God came back. And God starts working with the earth Everything God started is coming to perfection, including that guy next to you, though you doubt it could ever happen. If he's a believer, he'll end up in the image of Jesus. And there came day six. And on day six, God said, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the whole earth, over everything that moves on the earth. God, let me see this. I... Have had a revelation from many years ago about the glory of the Lord. And it started with me, with the verse in Ephesians 5 27 that says, He's preparing for Himself a glorious church. The church that he comes for is not going to be weak and emaciated and hiding in a rabbit hole and depending upon what kind of food they call that, survival food. The church that he comes for is going to be shining with the glory of the Lord. It will have increased from one degree of glory to the next and right here. Right here in this city, right here in this area, you're going to be shining. You think this place is big enough? It's not nearly big enough because they're going to come. Darkness is coming. I do know some things that are coming. A war is coming very soon. Ezekiel 38 and 39 may happen before I get home. But I could tell you one thing. The church of the living God is going to be filled with the glory of the Lord. I was teaching. Uh, I had begun to teach at this Friends church, Quaker church, in our little town. Had eight members in our Sunday school class. We went there because we heard you could ha- raise your hands. This was back in charismatic days. Probably they had 20 adults, maybe 30. But I started working for Kenneth E. Hagin. And I started getting this revelation on the glory of the Lord. I heard Brother Hagin prophesy. He prophesied this great move of God. I heard Sister Wilker prophesy. I heard people saying doom and gloom. But that wasn't what I was hearing from the prophets that I knew were really true prophets. Everybody going down the road calling himself a prophet is not a prophet. But oh, hallelujah. There's the real. And I heard the prophecies about the supernatural. I heard Brother Hagin prophesy. You're going to move in the supernatural. The glory of the Lord is going to fill the church, and you're going to move in the supernatural, and you're going to move in it as easily as a bird flies in the air or a fish swims in the sea. Woo! It was charismatic days, I was teaching this class, and a lot of people were coming in. You know, they hadn't been born again. They, they, they didn't uh, know the story of the Bible. They, they just got in, just came in. So uh, I, I was impressed of the Lord to begin at Genesis and, and teach the Bible. And one morning, I was getting ready uh, to go to church and teach our Sunday school class. We came into that Sunday school class. Somebody prayed us in there. My husband and our four little ducks. Shelly was what? 15. Oh, 15. 1973. 1973. We walked in there, and the young adult Bible class met in the choir loft. There were eight of us. And uh, there's this man. I don't know if you've ever heard of a great um, praying woman named Rachel Tufatiller. And her son had been backslidden, and he'd gotten back to the Lord. And, uh, but he had his uh, arms in casts, like this. He said, I want to give a testimony this morning that God will collect on his vows. When I was a boy, his mother, grandmother was a Assemblies of God preacher. I made a vow to God I would never go to a picture show. And if I ever went to a picture show, he could break both my arms. And he said, but when I was 18, I went, a, a picture show came on uh, football. And I wanted to go and I went. He said, now I'm 35 and God has just collected. <laughs> he said, and he, he was riding a bronc and fell off and both of his arms got broken. He said, I just wanted to testify. Now, he just got back to God a week or so before. I just wanted to testify that God, uh, I'm, t- I, I'm working for Brother Hagin at the time. And I'm doing his books, and I just did one called Don't Blame God. And my husband starts punching me. That means keep quiet, don't say a word, we'll leave, we won't be back. But I don't know, something came on me. Oh, I said, oh, brother, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't God. That's the devil. He saw you got back to God, and he's trying to get you back again. And so I, I taught basically what I learned that week. And he, he raised one little wing, and he said, I nominate this woman to be our Sunday school teacher. <laughs> and the Sunday school teacher said, I second the motion. And the next week, I'm the Sunday school teacher. So it's, it's charismatic move days. I come, and I start teaching the Sunday school, and it starts growing. And our church... One side of it filled up. They'd built a nice church building, these people, and the other side filled up, and we soon had 200 people in that class because they were hearing. So I'm getting ready to teach that class one day. we start at Genesis, and I'm talking to them, you know the glory. and I'm in the bathroom. I got up early to get ready. I had to get up early because we only had one bathroom. We had four children, and Shelley was one of those children. And it- <laughs> took a lot of time in the bathroom so if I wanted the bathroom I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning I put a roast on you know got ready for Sunday school and I'm making up my eyes and I hear a voice here and he said do you know Romans 3 23 and my first reaction was thank God it's when I know (laughs) And I was, it's the truth. That's what I thought. I was raised Baptist. And we led people to Jesus down the Roman road. So I wheeled around there. And I started quoting it to him kind of proudly. For all have sinned and come short of the (gasps) glory of God. Now God had shown me. That that planet down there, that little black planet with the dark waters over it, when he started moving, people watching what he did, he showed me how angels are a little bit gossipy. And this angel, we know it was an angel. Hebrews 2, uh, I think it's 2, tells us that it was an angel who said this. Turn to, to Psalm 8. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 You might just be thinking, where in the world is that woman going? I don't even know myself. But I can tell you one thing. We're going to be filled with the glory. So turn to Psalm 8. Hallelujah. And this is a recording of what God, of what an angel said that was watching God do creation. Psalm chapter 8. This angel starts out kind of bragging on God, you know, kind of buttering him up. Verse 3. Now, we know it was an angel because Hebrews 2, 6 through 8 tells us that. We're in Psalm 8 right now. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. But an angel said this because Hebrews tells us an angel said it. Some people think it was Satan. I don't. I think it's kind of like a Peter-type angel. So this angel starts out, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, I do have a question. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? This angel says, what is a man? Because God had said, let us make man a dom in our image. So the angel says, what is one? What is an adam? What is man? What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower than the angels. Actually, that word is not angels. That word is Elohim. And Elohim is the plural word for God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You made him a little lower than, the, than God the Father. The, you see, what, what they had always known was the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Archangels and angels. Now God makes someone and he slips them in under the Godhead over the angels. They don't even know that this place is open, the spot. <laughs> don't you promote from within what's going on here? What in the world is a man? You made him a little lower than the angels and you crowned him. God crowned man. Who wears crowns? Kings wear crowns. People who have dominion wear crowns. What was the crown made of? Not gold. God paved streets with gold. You crowned him with glory. God got up off of his throne, and in pomp and circumstance, way past anything England can put on, Way past. God, he told me, God told me in that vision. I had a vision and I I have had more visions over this teaching than anything else. God said, I did not do this thing in a corner. He said, I stepped out to center stage and all creation heard me. Let us make man in our image. And let them have dominion over the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, everything that creeps on the earth. And he put a crown on the man. And the crown was made of glory. What is glory? The glory of God is the presence of God that you could see. The glory of God is the spirit of The glory of God is God. And God's being sat upon the man. He was not naked. Fish have scales, birds have feathers, bears have fuzzy wuzzy. But God, the man, wore glory. And he could fellowship with God and move with God. Until that sad the saddest words in the Bible were, Adam, where are you? I was naked. What made him naked? He fell from the glory. And I heard God that day in my bathroom. He's up here. Do you know Romans 3, 23? For all have sinned and come short of the glory. And I started to fall in slow motion. And like a ticker tape, words came out and they went into me and straightened me up. The captain of your salvation is bringing many sons to glory and I straightened up and he said I want you to see the fall from my position and I said I would be happy to if you show me Lord and I saw like God here I saw like bright brilliant 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 light and I saw the man fall from the highest height to lowest low and I saw Satan with the man behind him And Satan said, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Because God had said, man's going to work with him. Man's going to have dominion. Our God is a consuming fire. What does he consume? Sin. And Satan has caused the man by tempting his will to fall from the glory to become spiritually dead. And Satan thinks now that he's ruined it all and he's conquered. He still thinks it, folks. He still thinks it. Man by man, woman by woman, he tries to keep you from the glory of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord, from the power of the Lord. And I saw that man down there And the Lord said, the natural inclination of any man for a fallen son is to reach and grab him to his bosom. But he said, had I done that, I would have consumed him. I would have burned him up. And with him, mankind and Satan would have won because my words could not come true. And he showed me my son, Terry, her brother, just under her. And Terry was a bull rider at the time. And, uh, I guess high school or college, I can't remember. But anyway, I saw him. He—he he was always been tall and broad-shouldered and thin at the waist and with great big old buckles like those bull riders get. And I saw him there, and uh, I had an urge to hug him. And the Lord said, what if you could not hug Terry? Because if you did, you would burn him up. You would destroy him. You would consume him. And I, I thought, I'd probably forget like King Midas, and I'd grab him. But Satan, I heard Satan say to God, What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And I was very conscious that God didn't answer him. But I saw a door in the light, like there was a door in God, had a knob on it, and it said, Top Secret. God had a plan. He had a plan to bring that man back into the presence of God. Turn to, what scripture is this Lord? I didn't write it down. Uh, Let's try 1 Corinthians 3 and if it's not, we'll try 2 Corinthians 3. Say glory every once in a while. I need to know you're alive. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is it the one change? It's 1 Corinthians. Let me try 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, yeah. That's it. do I do this? Because sometimes a something comes on you and you have to do something foolish to relieve the pressure. Or I could run around the room. Because this is is marvelous. This is glorious. This is what's happening. This is God's plan. This is what you're going to see in the very, very, very near future. Paul starts out by saying, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But, verse 6, we speak wisdom among them that are mature. How many of you in here have been born again more than five years? Look at those hands. More than 10 years. More than 15 years. More than 20 years. 30 years. 40 years. Don't you think when, if, if, if Paul came in here, he could give some wisdom among the mature we're supposed to be growing so that we can take some wisdom. And he says, Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are mature, not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. God's plans are called mysteries, the Greek word mysterion. There's the mystery of Israel, the mystery of iniquity. But the one that's called the hidden mystery is the mystery of the church. And it was hidden in God. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world. For what purpose? Unto our glory. Glory. There's a plan of God that will get that man that fell from the glory back into the presence of the glory. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of what? Lord. Glory. The Amplified says, the Amplified translation, God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification, that is, to lift us up into the glory of His presence. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo-hoo. Colossians talks about it. Turn to Colossians. First and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Gal- I have to sing my little song. I learned it in... Colossians chapter 1 Woo-hoo. Why do I shout? Folks. I am going to be glorified before your very eyes. You are going to be glorified before mine. It's the time. It's the time. Hallelujah. Paul said, I'm a preacher, and this is my message being given to me. Verse 26 Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God wills to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope. Of glory. When you got born again. The instant you got born again. He killed the old man. He moved in and made you a brand new creation. And he came in you. Your hope of the presence of God taking you over. And you received all the glory you could take without it killing you. But the Bible says, some people, when they read in the scriptures, there's a veil over their face. But it says, we don't have a veil over our face. When we look in the scriptures for the glory of the Lord, we are changed. From glory to glory to glory to glory until we are in the image of the Lord. Brother Hagin used to walk in my office and I'd get tongue-tied. I feel like God walked in. I'd beat myself up. Why you know he's just a man? Why you act like that? And it took years. Other people would affect me the same way. And the Lord straightened me out on it. He said, when you get born again, you have a degree of the glory. And then as you yield to the plan and you look in the scriptures, then you get changed. And the amount of God in you that takes you over changes from glory to glory to glory to glory. And he said, some people have have worked with the plan better than others. Have you ever known anyone? Oh, my Jesus. It's been my blessing. I know quite a few. But, folks, I'm going to put that chart back up. Put that time chart back up. Bless the Lord. Now, this is what Moses was given when he was up on Mount Sinai. And this is part of the oral law. It is written in uh, the Babylonian uh, Talmud tractate uh, Sanhedrin 97a. If you'll put that chart back up. Bless the Lord. There you go. Moses was told that God gave Adam a work week, a six-day work week. A thousand years is as a day. A day is as a thousand years. And that then at the end of six days, there come another period called the Sabbath, a thousand years. Now, Adam came 6,000 years ago. Earth's older, much older. But Adam came 6,000 years ago. Six days. And these days are divided into three parts. The first two are the days of chaos. And then came the written Torah. The next two are the days of Torah. And then was to come the Messiah. Now, this is in the Jewish Talmud, And there's a little, they don't change anything. This is what Adam, this is what Moses was told. They have a little asterisk there. And the asterisk goes down to the bottom of the page and it says, he didn't come because we weren't ready. But we know he did come. And those days from the Messiah coming on are called the end of days. King James Bible says latter days, end of days. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, this is the end of days. They started. That's been 2,000 years ago. And we are to the end of that end of days. If ever, 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 there's going to come this great move of God. It's got to come soon because we're running out of time. Then there's going to be a seven-year period, a Shemitah period called the Great Tribulation. We'll be caught up before that. But I'm here to declare, it's time for the glory of the Lord. John Bevere, how many of you know John Bevere? How many of you know about the mandate he's under right now? He has been given a mandate by God. And he's going down, he is going to the major cities of the United States. Shelley's daughter, Kylie, and some of the women from our church in Collinsville, Oklahoma went when he was in Tulsa one night. Packed the place out. His mandate, the mandate from God is the glory is coming. God's not going to hold it back anymore. But you'd better be ready so you won't be like Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira did not die of sickness and disease. They died of the glory of the Lord. I believe they're in heaven. But there was such a presence that glory, the glory will kill you. Remember how they didn't handle the cart right? They They didn't handle the ark right? And David put it on a cart Going to modernize things. Oh dear God, help us! <laughs> dear God, help us! Dear Jesus, forgive us and help us. I'm going to make it better. Here's what I'm going to do. Hmm. Oh, so they're going to break it in. They put it on a cart. God had told them. Certain families supposed to do it, make some poles, put the poles through the rings and everything, you've carried it. Well, they put it on a cart. The oxen stumbled. This man named Uzzah, he reached out to steady the cart, and he died instantly because God's glory breaks forth on sin. John Bevere's message, powerful, so powerful, is judge yourself. Because ready or not, it's coming. 1,000 people in Tulsa answered the altar call, most of them Christians, that they've been messing around with sin. You know why God's kept the glory down? People would die. Preachers in the pulpit. Oh, God, dear We bite and devour one another when God told us to walk in love. Oh, Jesus. God has spoken in his word what's going to happen for Israel. They're going to come home. They're coming home. But Satan, to try to, he said, you see, folks, Jesus is coming and Satan's trying to stop it. Yeah. Shelley was with me when Brother Hagin called me into his office and had me preach a certain message. He'd heard me preach at camp meeting. And he said, I know the things you teach, but he said, I'm not anointed to teach them and you are. He was talking about Israel and other things. And and Jesus coming. He pulled himself up off that desk. He got fire in his eyes. He looked at me and he said, Jesus is coming soon and Satan is going to do everything in his power to stop him. And he left himself back down. How God has said we're going to be glorious. God has said the eternal purpose of the ages, and I may talk about this later, is that we manifest God to the principalities and power. But we hardly have enough power to manifest God because we don't keep the law. So how does He stop the church? We got one law, the law of love. His, oh my Jesus, my Jesus. So what does He bring to the church? Splits, divisions. What do you have to have for the glory? Jesus said, one, make them one so that the world can see the glory of the Lord. We can have power. But to have power, you've got to walk in love. You can't hand a a crazy little baby Christian, power, power. Hallelujah. We've all been guilty. I was, I used to work for a company called Anaconda Wire and Cable Company before I started working for Brother Hagen, And we made power cables, you know, like in your house. And we made big cables for cross-country things that carried electricity. John G. Lake said, uh, "Electricity is God's power in the natural. The Holy Ghost is God's power in the spirit." And so I was driving home. I worked for Kenneth Hagin at the time. I was driving home about a 20-minute, no, 20 miles. Y'all go by miles. The Lord told me one time, hallelujah, power up. This went on. There you go. I'm driving home from work. And the Lord said to me, there's not an angel, Billy Brim, that follows you around. And when you're acting real nice, it goes, power up. But then when you go home and you blast Kent, my husband, power down, (laughs) lest you kill him. Power up, power down. The Lord said, love. You know that to handle power cables, you've got to have insulation. We might show that video, shall uh, we? Didn't, we're not ready tonight, but we'll show it another day. Hallelujah. To handle the power that's coming, you're going to have to walk in love. And you're going to have to repent from the times you haven't. We're going to have to do this because it's time. We're out of time. The hour has come. It's here. I know that's one reason why I'm sitting here now. I'm 84 years old. I'm never sick ever I can't even remember being in bed sick because I you do my scriptures every day but you know he sent me that's a lot to ask of an 84 year old woman not any not me but some 84 year old women (laughs) oh ready for the power. Get ready. Judge yourself. Hallelujah. Let's just have that minister of music come back up here. And let's just love the Lord. Just stand yourself up and love him. And love him And love him, and love him, and love him, and love him. And if you need to tell him you're sorry, you've been such a grouch, you've been such a nag, you've been such a gossip. Oh, Father. How many of you want the glory? How many of you want the power? We're supposed to have power. We advertise power, but we haven't been able to handle it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just pray in the Spirit. Oh, my God, my Jesus, my Savior, my King, my Lover, my Lord, my everything. Oh, glorious Redeemer, we worship and praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, sweet Ancient of Days. Help us, Lord. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Cobra visando no capre. I'm seeing the cover, the bitiano, no coverica la cabra disco, danger, the cobra, father. I know it's coming. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Seeing the cobra, the pepera dosci nero, non ogni le delle paranacale tutto dugo jande Hallelujah. If you'd like to come to the altar and just say to the Lord, forgive me, hallelujah, just come, just come, just come, oh, and just, just, just love him and just say thank you for your mercy and thank you for your help. Thank you that we didn't die when we sinned so against our brothers, against our sisters. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, God. We're crying out for the promises that you made. And in any way that that we were in your way, in any way we're in your way, Lord, God, your blood, your blood, your cleansing blood. Oh, Father, your cleansing blood, your cleansing blood, your cleansing blood. We cry out for the cleansing blood, Lord. (laughs) Ma vele baho naki londambre kolakove balatito anje to anje balakoria ve anje ne kolakava lapoća kili kapra oh mani kala kai ne vala baba bacanja. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm supposed to tell you this, that's why you just now told me. I learned the meaning of the Greek word that's translated hypocrite. Jesus calls some people hypocrites. He didn't like it. And I learned that the Greek word means an actor. Someone who took on a role and acted. We're not supposed to be acting like this, like we believe this. and Acting like we believe in walking in love and just putting on a show. We're not supposed to do that. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, 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 Father. God has an instrument to reach mankind. When I flew into Los Angeles the other day, and then when I flew into Sydney, and I look out my window in Sydney, and I see all those people. All those souls. And God has an instrument to reach them, and it's his glory. But that glory is going to manifest through his body. The head needs the body to manifest the glory, and the body's been fussing and fighting and splitting and dividing and gossiping. And oh Lord, oh Lord, Barodivrandeheshana Makai. Very, very, very soon, I am sending my messenger to tell you now that the glory of the Lord will cause Satan to bow. He will bow in men's hearts, he will bow in liars and cheats. WHO SIT IN GOVERNMENTAL OFFICES, BUT THE ROMBALA KINANAHAYA, THE IMPETUS THAT WILL CAUSE HIM TO BOW AND CRY OUT IS THE GLORY OF THE LORD AND ITS MIGHTY SHOUT THROUGH THE BODY OF CHRIST IN THE EARTH. DON'T YOU SEE? Give yourselves this night to me. Live what is right. Do what is good. You know it. You know it. Now you must show it. You must show it. You must show the glory. OF THE LORD UNTO MANKIND. ALL THESE CENTURIES, ALL THESE AGES, I'VE BEEN BUILDING UP TO YOU, BUILDING UP TO A BODY WHO WALKS KNOWING WHAT IS TRUE. EARTH WILL SHAKE, MEN WILL QUAKE. YES, THERE ARE SOME DARK THINGS, BUT DID I NOT SAY THE GLORY OF THE LORD WOULD RISE UPON YOU IN THE DARKEST OF DAYS? YOU'LL WALK. YOU'LL WALK ABOVE THE FRAY. IF YOU WILL BEGIN RIGHT NOW TODAY, DON'T WAIT ANOTHER DAY. DON'T WAIT FOR ANOTHER TIME. THIS IS IT AND THIS IS THE CLIMB. The glory of the Lord will shine through thee and men will come to see you shine.